cliffcentral.com. All righty. Good morning. It's Monday, cliffcentral.com. I hope you're off to an awesome start to give your week uh, the little head start that it needs. Start early. Um, that's one of the things that we like doing on this show. We wake up extra early. Yes. We can get there before everyone else. I, I sometimes hate it because I, I think, why the hell are we up so early with everybody else? But then I think about it. And there are people who catch like four or five different taxis. They wake up at like 3 a.m. There are people who go to gym before they even start their day. Lots of people who have a very uh, early beginning to their week. I mean, but uh, if you start, you're still starting ahead of the crowd. Yeah. But I mean, like I drive, so, you know, I always get here before. I try to get to the studio 5.30 if no one's in the studio and 5 a.m. If, if we have a full studio just to prepare everything. Mm -hmm. And we drive mm -hmm. past the gym on Sanson Drive. And it's funny because like during the different months, you can tell when people are in the gym or not. So like now the yeah. gyms are so full because you can, it's like glass. You can see all the treadmill. Everyone's on the treadmill. And I'm just like, damn, yeah. I'm, I'm struggling to roll out of bed at like 5, you know, 4.35 a.m. <laughs> every day. And these people are running. <laughs> yeah, uh, look, when, when I'm driving somewhere in the morning on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning and people are running, I pull zaps at them secretly <laughs> under my steering wheel. It's <laughs> like, twisted. Whatever. whatever. <laughs> I was very proud of myself. I, despite a, a, a nice quiet weekend, I still decided I hadn't done enough. And yesterday at like six o'clock, I decided to drive to gym. I just felt... Like I really, you know, I'm trying hard not to be lazy and useless this year. Yeah. And I've got so much stuff going on. I'm I'm very lucky. I'm very excited about the the opportunities that 2024 is is putting in front of me. And I don't want to be one of those people who wastes them by being a slob. So I'm yeah. <laughs> I'm putting extra pressure on. I do love it. Listen, what's the story? I didn't see the detail of this. I know Leanne knows about it. Some 85-year-old dude who was, in inverted commas, kidnapped from a Joburg park while he was walking his dogs? What's yeah. This? So, I mean, if you're in Joburg and you have dogs, you'll probably know about Emerentia oh, yes. Park. Yeah, um, of course. Where a lot of people, you know, go to, to walk their dogs. And oh. this guy um, was allegedly kidnapped. And the reason why we say allegedly is because there's no proof but um, was walking his dogs uh, at the Johannesburg Botanical Gardens on Friday morning. Um, he does so routinely at 10 o'clock in the morning um, yeah. and has literally disappeared. Um, 85 years old, a former businessman. So, you know, when you hear businessman, you think there might be something connected to that. But apparently hasn't been a businessman for, for very long. Um, but he was allegedly snatched by three men and shoved into what looked like a white panel van. Um, and uh, apparently the vehicle's registration has already been confirmed as cloned. Um, yeah. So they're, they're just all these unanswered questions at the moment. The, the family can't understand why there would be any motive. There isn't any clear motive. Um, nothing's coming to light. He hasn't worked for many, many years. So they don't say, think it's related to, to his work. Have a bit money. Doesn't have a bit of money. Maybe, but I mean, don't we all have money compared to um, oh, well, <laughs> a lot I mean, of South Africa, which is in poverty? Yeah, I suppose. 
So, yeah, the, apparently the family have been standing by for some form of communication, like a random phone call. Um, but no, they they found his, his cell phone, which was left behind. Um, and, uh, yeah, the family are just standing by and p- police. He's, and he's 85. I mean, is it not possible that he's just uh, wandering around and he's lost? He's, I mean, Joe Biden, if you threw him into a park now, he wouldn't know where the hell to go. Well, I think that's also one of the reasons why journalists, um, and this is an article from the Sowetan, um, yeah. have put kidnapped in inverted commas. I mean, right? who knows? Um, and the police don't comment, apparently. I've ne- I didn't know this in cases of kidnapping uh, because oh. they, they, they don't want to put the life of the victim in danger. Mm. So we don't know anything. <laughs> so if you see someone <laughs> who doesn't belong in the area or something, yeah, it's just scary because it's something that a lot of us do, you know, take our dogs for a walk. Yeah, but also Emma Ranch is not really known to be the safest of areas. That's the other problem with Emma Ranch. Is Emma Ranch dangerous? I mean, well, I don't, I don't think so. I've never thought of it that way, especially not botanical gardens, 10 o'clock in the morning. Well, yeah, maybe not at that time, but it's definitely like my cousin used to stay around that area, not in Emirantia. He kind of stayed in, uh, I think it's maybe you, maybe you and your family, you and your family made it dangerous. Like it wasn't dangerous before. <laughs> it was dangerous when you visited. <laughs> no, but I'm telling you, it's, it's a, it's, I, I do watch myself like in, in that area just because it's a bit, it's a bit of a weird place. Um, but yeah, no, it's, that's definitely strange. And especially at a dog park of all places. Hey, listen to this. This is important for everybody. The Gauteng Department of Health has urged the public to refrain from engaging in risky sexual behavior as it recorded a rise in sexually transmitted infections. This is happening. Uh, yep. The department said between April and December 2023, 40% of the men who visited public health facilities were treated for male urethritis syndrome. Ugh. Yeah, MUS. Yeah, it's a, it's a lower urinary tract infection that inflames the urethra, a fibromuscular tube through which urine and semen exits male's body. So you know, the, 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 how you piss, basically, you yeah. idiots. <laughs> It's understood infections such as chlamydia and gonorrhea are the main cause of urethritis in men. Department spokesperson Motlatlale uh, Modiba said that these infections were recorded in parts of Johannesburg, the West Rand, Ryan, and the Kuruleni South. <laughs> you know, I'd, yeah, it's, I'd love to get their definition of risky because I think that would be hilarious. Well, on, it's, it's on the West Rand, on the, on the West Rand, everything is risky because of the people you're dealing with. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Risky. So what do you think of it? Are you worried about, uh, about STIs? I mean, if you, if you are engaging in, in sexual, you know, yeah. antics. Sexual yeah. activities. Oh, like if you, how much do you think about that stuff? Because I think a lot of people are just very cavalier about it. Uh, they, they kind of... They're just so happy they finally have someone who wants to have sex with them that they don't think about it. <laughs> yeah, at this stage, I'll take anything, <laughs> no matter what it comes with. Yeah. You're like, I'll, I'll take the risk of the uh, gonorrhea, but just uh, just give me a bit of action. Does it come yeah. with a grant? Like, no, I'm kidding. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's not something that, I like, you know, just drilled into us in, in school. 
And I don't know, like, you know, I went to a Christian school growing up, so I don't know, like, how much they focus on it right now in different curriculums in public schools or other schools. But, I mean, it was, it was drilled into us pretty hard back then. What did they I tell you? Uh, we didn't talk about it much. I mean, just even – it was kind of left to the parents. And even that, I mean, my mom gave me a book to read. It had and it had actual photos of of teenage girls and boys in it at different stages of puberty. Actual photos, <laughs> real photo, actual photographs. <laughs> we wow. we had drawings, uh, and they would tease some of the they would tease one or two of the guys in my class. For, he kept on going back to page fifty seven. <laughs> <No. laughs> we didn't have actual photos though. You know, I think I think it's spoken about a lot more openly at schools now. But no, from I'd actually hate like, to know what, like, where it's like, what grade they're starting to to talk about that kind of stuff now. Well, hopefully, at the age of nine. I mean, I mean, for us, I, I remember that. those talks started in in grade three. It was kind of it was a bit of a, sure. No, I mean, it, for, for me, it was it was grade six, like yeah. standard eight onwards. I just think people are, they're so horny and desperate to get laid. No, they are. But yeah. they don't think about this stuff in the moment. Like, I know people who are very sensible who've ended up with these things. They've ended up with these diseases. And honestly, I'm very fucking grateful. I wouldn't know what to do if I had one of these things because I've, I've also spoken to people who then have to go to the doctor. You know how humiliating it must be to say to the doctor, I've got like an itch or I've got a lesion or I've got a something in my crotch. It's got to mm -hmm. be so embarrassing. So you think about how people just get into a situation like this and then they, they, they're so swept away by the moment that they don't think about the diseases, right? Mm -hmm. Disaster. And then it's you, one of those things right. where you don't think it'll happen to you. Yeah, and then, then you've got to go and sort it out. That's got to suck. But I mean, I, I think this, I, I don't want to say it like this, but like this generation speaks volumes when like the vending machine outside of the, the, the most popular club here in Johannesburg has got like condoms, lube, and vapes in it. Yeah, well, <laughs> like, those are the three things, uh, <laughs> those are the three things that, uh, that millennials and Gen Z can't live without, condoms, lube, and vape. <laughs> So, like, that's when I went to that club and then I saw this, like, very dodgy-looking vending machine thinking maybe they sell Cokes or whatever. I was <laughs> I was horrified as to what they actually sell in there. What? Yeah. Why, why horrified? I mean, I don't know. If, when I was going to clubs, that condoms were always freely available in the bathrooms. Well, for us, yeah, uh, they were, they were always dispensers, but they were never full. Like, even when I was studying at the SABC, the SABC bathrooms – always had um the dispensers but they were never full and it just made me wonder like was it the people taking them or were this never refilled <laughs> i just always remember that story and i say story but it was true where government had gone on this campaign to give out free condoms and they'd stapled <laughs> a piece of paper to the condom <laughs> packet <laughs> piercing the condoms well, my, my favorite was in Parliament when they're reading out like the different condom flavors that you can get now from government. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Flavors. Yeah, yeah I remember that. Oh. But, uh, you know, again. Like, I'd be I think more suspicious some... of those, like what's in those flavors. Ugh. Yeah. 
No, probably. <laughs> probably that's about right. I just think, you know, these days on the internet, you could find anything, information, and there's just no excuse really for you to be picking up all kinds of uh, STIs. The fact that the Gauteng Health Department has to warn people. But I do want to say again, like, let's be very clear that what they've spoken about here specifically are the West Rand and Ikuruleni South, all right? Yeah. So, no, come on, don't, don't yes. be like that. There's all, <laughs> yeah. There was also Hillbra, Bramfontein. I remember seeing the list yesterday. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm telling you, it's the far east and the far west Rand, those are the two dangerous areas. Uh, so Mapello says in the comments, I'm more scared of getting someone pregnant. I make sure that I prevent that. So automatically I'm safe from getting STIs. Well, for some people, that's the reason to put on the condom, right? Yeah. I can't mm. believe we're still talking about this in 2024. But yeah, there are there are a number of reasons you might want to do that. And maybe your main motivation is that you don't want to get someone pregnant. And then you save yourself from the STIs at the same time. Uh, Donna, no, says, think, Donna says, with her yeah. high collar uh, from the Elizabethan era, she says, this discussion makes me thankful that I choose to abstain. And it reminds me why. She's so much better <laughs> than us. Thanks, Donna. <laughs> Uh, gosh. Yeah, Carl I think, says, you know what? Where, where, where STIs are, are a big surprise is, you know, you can prepare if, if you're single and ready to mingle, you'll prepare. But um, a lot of them happen where there are cheating partners and you, you aren't, oh. you aren't, you know, wrapped up and protected. Isn't that horrible? You get mm. cheated on and then that person brings home some, some kind of sexual disease. And you get it. You've been. You've done nothing wrong. You've been yeah, like uh, totally. Yeah, you've been totally monogamous. You've uh, obeyed the rules. You've you've stuck by the principles, and then you get punished because your partner's a son of a bitch. Yeah. That's really got to suck. Mm. Uh, one or two quick other things before we get to um, our guest Tamin Gadimeng, which I'll, I'll tell you all about uh, Tami in a second. But before we get to that. Uh, there are a couple other things that we need to talk about. Apparently, there's some. This is a, such a disgusting story, just the headline. But a Lufthansa passenger spewed liters of blood before dying mid flight. Absolute horror. This, you, it makes the STI discussion look like it's clean and fantastic. Yeah. Jeez, what is this? It's crazy, man. It happened. Oh. It happened just, um, yeah, uh, I think yesterday. No, Thursday. Sorry, Thursday. Before you so even this, tell me, isn't yeah. flying flying is horrible enough? Exactly. See this. Oh. I mean, remember the the Delta Airlines woman. Oh my God. You can forget her. Yeah. Um, with her dodgy pain. tummy. Mm. Um, but yes, this was a, a Lufthansa flight which took off from Thailand and made its way to Germany. Mid-flight, and if you think about mid-flight between Thailand and Germany, is quite a way. Mm -hmm. um, this uh, passenger, 63-year-old German man, apparently had cold sweats and he was breathing rapidly. Um, uh, you know, they, they called for a, a doctor who did come up, you know, when they call for a doctor on the plane. And right. there was also a nursing specialist on board. Um, and she's the one who's telling the story, Karin Misfelder. Um, and apparently the doctor said, you know, he's, he's safe to fly. He is visibly ill. I don't know what's wrong with him, but he's safe to fly. So they gave him a little bit of chamomile tea. Next minute, he just began spewing literally Oof. liters of blood, oh. which apparently... Like a horror movie. 
splattered the cabin. Um, oh. Everyone was screaming in absolute horror. And mid-flight, oh. this plane had to turn around, because those are the rules, and return to Bangkok. This man then passed away on the flight, and they had to drag his body into the galley. Oh. Really terrible. See, this is a flight I don't want to be a, a, a part of now. Like, <laughs> could it be? This is something you don't really want to wake up to. Um, I, I knew it. I, I hate planes. I really hate planes. <laughs> I just oh, this just makes me want to travel even less. You know, <laughs> I, yes, I mean, the chances are minimal, but still. I know, I, I know, but it's so disgusting that I oh, liters of blood. Oh my god. Can you make any kind of experience worse? You know, just when you think about how small those seats are and how how shitty it is to be on this tube full of people coughing and farting and spluttering in the bathroom. <laughs> Bathroom's right there and they're going to take shits in the bathroom. They got which their is like shoes off. Throwing distance from you. They got their shoes off with their manky feet all oh. over the place. They've got their wiping snot on the fucking chair underneath Ugh. them. They, these gross people all around you, and then, <laughs> and then some old dude decides to spew up blood. And you, I would look at, I would look up to the heavens, and I would say, "Just take, just crash this. Plane. Take me now. This can't get worse." Oh, <laughs> it's it's horribly invasive. All of it. There's so much oh. personal space stuff going on there. But also, oh, I mean, how sick, how sick do you have to be to end up doing that and dying that way? I, if that was stirring in my guts, I wouldn't have got onto the plane. Didn't they just open a trap door and the guy just goes through and like, yeah, that's the end of it. No, apparently they put you in the bathroom. That's uh, oh. I had an ex a friend who was a uh, an air steward, and he said uh, he that'll had stop people from going to the bathroom on flight. If they mm, ever was knowing away. what's been stored in there. Yes, because have you Did ever have you ever sat by a bathroom like on a long flight? It is sure. actually oh, yeah. the most irritating thing. I think, you know, like on, on all the places to sit in a plane, by the bathroom is the worst because it's just constantly yeah, yeah. used. And when you, when you hear that sound of that, as it like sucks all the stuff out of the toilet, <laughs> it's, uh, and it doesn't matter how quiet you think you are, everyone can uh, hear that, on the, especially if they're near the bathroom. But the worst for me are the, these people who, I saw a woman, I'm sure I mentioned this on the show the other day, on one of those flights back from Cape Town, I, I saw a woman. She'd been sitting down. The plane had just taken off. So in other words, she could have gone for a pee in the, in the airport building. She could have thought about this before. Literally, we're still at 45 degrees, right? We're climbing. They haven't even switched off the cabin, uh, like the, 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 the sit down and buckle up light. This woman is busy hiking. Hiking because it's like <laughs> she's got a she's got a, 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 a rope and and crampons on her feet and she's hiking up the fucking cabin at forty five degrees she's going up like this to get to the bathroom because she now suddenly needs to pee. I mean, the, 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 you don't know, you don't know that she <laughs> might talking about the crampons. It might have been a crampon issue the, that she needed to sort out. Crew, the cabin crew are like, ma'am. We're still strapped in. Sit down. What are you doing? Oh, I need to go to the loo. I need to get to the toilet. That's very, very urgent. Well, why didn't you pee before you got on the plane, you moron? <laughs> yeah, you I don't know, know what, it, what goes on. Oh, I don't know. Well, then she shouldn't make it everyone's problem. 
I mean, the, 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 the pilot is like leaning back in his chair because we're going up at such an angle, but this woman needs to go and relieve herself. It's so important for her to use that loo right then. So important. For me, it's, it's, those, might, it's might those long be. flights that are like 11 hours plus. And so like you, oh my God. you go through the night and like it's fine. Like in, in the night, it's cool. They kind of give you your food. You put on some movies. You kind of just kick back. But the worst part for me is when everyone wakes up in the morning and it's like, all right, guys, we have an hour before we land. And there's everyone with their babies and they like go and change the babies and they're going to brush their teeth. And oh, I'm like, God, this horrible. is... Um, and, and the worst is, of course, with you, you go into those loos wearing socks and the men have not been aiming properly. Yeah. Uh, I can't stand those bathrooms. The floors are always sticky and gross. It's just... <laughs> And then people tell me they Sorry want to join to say, the. But it's because of men. <laughs> of course it is. But but people tell me they want to join the Mile High Club, and I'm like, what is wrong with you? Are you? Yeah. yeah. I'd I'd rather have sex in a in a dirty <laughs> nightclub's bathroom than on a plane. Ugh, that floor I told, is all. I told you about that guy. I was I was on a flight to London by myself at the age of 21. Yeah. And that and I woke up in the night, and I was you know tossing and turning a bit. And the guy next to me, who'd been eyeing me out the whole time, oh, rubbed his no. rubbed his thigh and said, "Do you oh. want to lie on my lap?" No, man. Horrible. And proceeded to follow me once we'd landed. Oh, just horrible place to be, honestly. Yeah. Well, as as side act says, because let's wrap up this conversation. It's so disturbing. Side act says you realize humans are disgusting when you can find in small spaces. That is the mm. new. Yeah. Uh, that. There is that new all first class airline. It's probably hugely expensive. Well, I'm mm -hmm. sure it is, but I, this is where you have to decide: is it worth <laughs> being miserable and unhappy for eleven hours, or can you handle it? Mm -hmm. Because don't let's pretend that flying in economy is ever fun. Let's not pretend it is. It's just not. It's like mm -hmm. being on a bus, except even a bus has more space. Yeah. I will say, really? in terms of like local flights, if given the opportunity to have a road trip like to Cape Town or to Durban, I'll drive all day. Only because I think they've made it so easy for us in South Africa to go have these road trips because there's so many garage stops and it's very pleasant. Oh. There's nice people. Like I'd way rather drive. The view, the view is always changing, and you yeah. know, if you don't have a window, mm. you can still see out the windows are bigger than a, on a plane. Anyway, look. I mean, we're not going to solve this. Uh, mm. No. By, by, by bitching about it. So let's move on. I want to talk about something that I think a lot of us have, and we discuss this often on the show, so it's not as if it comes out of nowhere, but when people talk about what it means to have a purpose, what it means to, to do something that gives your life direction. We, we often talk to guests about this stuff, and our it's guest important. this morning, yeah, and, and I, we get lots of comments on this every week, from from people who've found something that they're truly passionate about, they, they've they've started a business that they really love, they've helped people, they're involved in, you know, something which which delivers really useful and valuable life skills to someone else. They they're able to change the world in big and small ways, and I find that just so inspiring and fascinating. And I have a hell of a lot better to talk about than STIs and planes, but but. Uh, Samin Kadimeng is a moderator. She's a corporate MC. She's a program director with a background in communications and marketing. And she is well-versed in finance, mining, and construction. 
among other things, in terms of the business experience that she has. She's also known as the message architect, which is what caught my attention. I think that's such a cool name for a, for a, or rather a cool description of what someone could do. And she's worked with presidents, executives, corporate leaders, all kinds of organizations worldwide to help people find a way to make a positive change in the world. And before she could follow her calling, she had to stop looking for external validation, which so much of us do, so many of us do, and overcome her own self-doubt. So here she is. She's written a book called Finding Purpose. And this morning, hopefully, she'll help some of us to find our purpose. Dummy, what a pleasure to see you. What a pleasure to see you too. You had me in stitches before, so I'm like, okay, oh we're switching to serious stuff. <laughs> oh no. You heard all that gross stuff about airplane bathrooms? I'm so sorry. I did, and I love traveling because I always follow where I'm needed. So I'm like, I, I, I'm not sure about bathroom breaks anymore. <laughs> <laughs> wow, pretty disturbing. So listen, you've written this book called Finding Purpose, and I love your your descriptor, the message architect. So just give us yeah. a little bit of background. I tried to explain uh, what you've done before this, but maybe you can, in your own words, give us a little pricey of, of how you got to this point, and then we can talk yeah. about the book. Absolutely. So um, I come from a, a really strange home, and you'll read about it in 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 the book. And then I quickly got shoved into the corporate space because um, my mom became a single mom, and we needed money at home. And so I thought, if I start working, and I can then carry the cost of groceries, it will help her. And I always wanted her to have a nice car. So I I, I got thrusted into a corporate at the age of seventeen. So when I left corporate, I'd been in it for twenty years. I only left corporate full time in twenty twenty. To, to pursue the being the message architect full time. And I mean, I'm super blessed and honored the kind of stages I've been able to grace in less than a year and a half. The message architect for me was really a call and a cry out for me because I feel that when we go to conferences and events and these big events, we, we say we create inclusion, but by using exclusion. So we use these big jargon words and we say we're changing society, but not mm -hmm. Everybody is well versed with these jargons and it doesn't mean that they don't make up humanity. So when I'm moderating conversations, it's for me, um, one of the things, the key things for me is to use simplistic English because the person at the front of a house, the person who's helping with the catering also deserves to know what we're speaking about in that panel discussion because they make up humanity and that's how we're going to get society moving forward. A lot of times society does not move forward only because they don't understand, not because they don't have the capability to also help move forward. So message architect is really um, that, is breaking things down and making them simplistic. I mean, if you use the word, for instance, equity, and you ask a 15-year-old, they're like, what is that? But if you say justice or fairness, it's easier to comprehend. It means exactly the same thing. So... Right. Um, yeah, and I come from a background of communication science. That's what um, I did in corporate right up until executive level. Well, I just I also find like words words like equity and justice have been so politicized that now yeah, exactly. now in in the woke vocabulary they mean something completely different to yes, what they should mean. And when people talk about like social justice. Half the people in the crowd don't even know what that is, and the other half all have different definitions. Yeah. So this is where you know we need more message architects, if you ask me, who can help people to discern the difference between all the corporate bullshit 
and yeah. real communication. Um, so, so let's get on to your book, Finding Purpose, because I think this is really valuable. And, and we have discussed it many times on this show because really that's the whole point of life. If you, if you yeah. distill everything else away, you get rid of all the nonsense and you, and you do talk earnestly and honestly with people. They're all looking for a way to make their life meaningful. Yep. And even, you know, here on, on, on the show with Leanne and Ryan on a Monday and with, you know, with, with uh, Jack on a Tuesday and with Pumi on a Thursday and we, we always talk about this stuff. Um, what is the purpose of your life? Have you found your purpose? And there's, there's a lot of pressure on people now, frankly, yeah. uh, who might not have prioritized that because they're just enjoying themselves or they're trying to make the most of their life, but they're trying to survive, frankly. Um, we all get to a point where we go, what's the purpose? What's the, what is the reason I exist? Mm. And it's, it's damn difficult to figure out what to do from there because even if you can identify it and identifying it is half the battle, what do you do then? Yeah. Tell us about the book and how you come to these answers. <laughs> so I was quite cheeky in naming it Finding Purpose purely because I don't think you find purpose. Where? Under a rock. Where? Yeah. Like, yeah. Where do you look for it? You know, tell us where do we buy it and we'll go and buy it. Um, <laughs> and so I was quite cheeky in saying that. And, and it's because I'm the message architect. I use the play on words. And then as you read the book, you realize that I speak about how purpose is inherent. Um, our subconscious kind of knows what we're meant to be doing, but because we're so young at a young age and because we are outward goal driven, um, sometimes we get lost along the way by disappointments. Um, I actually have a TEDx talk. So this is a, the book was really a build up from my TEDx talk where I, I let people know that I used to use my mom's underarm roll on in a very abusive home. And that was my escape in front of a mirror. But he said, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Tommy, pretending that I was, um, you know, in front of crowds. And I mean, here we are, Bob's your uncle, my subconscious view, but I went the roundabout way of it. I thought, oh, if I study communication science, I'll get to speak a lot. Oh, was I shocked that there's no such thing as speak a lot in, in corporate science. So um, I, I really think purpose is something we're all born with. You've just got to listen to your inner voice and you've got to find the things that really excite you. So I I, I think of the theory of, um, and this is how it really landed for me, was purpose is an intersection of where talent and passion meet. And that's how you generally will discover it and, and kind of uh, figure it out. Um, if you go on to, for instance, the side of talent, Nelson Mandela was a talented boxer, but he wasn't passionate about it. And that's why he landed mm. up in politics. So that's not the purpose he was created for. If you go to the extreme, ha, ha, I'm going to get funny. There's a there's a, a, a music show, you know, that ha, 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 ooh, 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 <laughs> where people are so passionate about singing, but they have no talent for it. That's why there's wooden mic. There's no ways your purpose will be what you're passionate about and you don't have the talent for it. Where they both meet is where you'll generally find your purpose. And I think there might be a third concentric circle. So obviously yeah. you're talking about like purpose being where the, the, the passion meets yeah. with, with, the with the, the talent. But mm -hmm. I think there's a third one and that is being useful to other people. Yeah. In other words, uh, because I, you know, you can delude yourself that you're very good at something and then you discover yeah. later on that you're actually not, but yeah. you can also find that, that where, where, you know, your talent and your, and your, 
your passion and where you you can make it in the market like you can do something that people will pay you for or that people will want more of you from something where you can actually do something that that has resonance outside of your own life uh delivering value to other people now when those three meet when you have that sweet spot in the middle of those three then Mm -hmm. you'll achieve all kinds of success. Do you agree? I agree, but I also I also agree that purpose. Not everybody has just one purpose. I think we have multiple purposes in our lives, and so where it becomes frustrating for human beings, and I say this because I lived the frustration too, was people align purpose according to what you do on a daily basis, what helps you earn money, what kind of education and degree. Sometimes purpose is just the role you play in your family. You were created a specific way to play a specific role in your purpose. So um, it's a little bit more, you know, it's why you were innately made. And I think we need to stop also um, aligning it to just how much money and value can it bring from a monetary perspective. But I agree in terms of value on impact to other human beings. Yeah, what you just said now is such an important point too. Um, Being a mom, for example, is... Mm -hmm. That is a great purpose. And I know yeah. people pay a lot of lip service to this, but if you do anything properly, if you really pour yourself into a job, and being a mom yeah. is a job, hell yes, it's a huge job. Um, just because you're not paid a lot of money to do a job doesn't mean that it isn't important. Exactly. Um, being, being a granddad or a grandma is also a job. Being someone who can who could be there for your friends, that's yeah. an important job. Yeah. Um, caring about people in, in you know, the wider sort of community, the, the, the people yeah. who do incredible work, social workers, uh, therapists, you know, those kind of people, they, they don't necessarily earn big money, yeah. but they're doing something so meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. Leanne, you're on mute. I think it also depends a lot on what stage you're in in your life, what your purpose is. It could be something completely varied, um, you know, whether it's um, entertaining people. So let's say the first quarter of your life is all about entertaining people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and slowly you gain experience through just being alive and living. Um, suddenly your purpose is supporting a family business. You know, it's in crisis and it needs you. And that's where you, you, you know, your role is determined. Um, at some point of your life, it may be a family member who's ill, who needs care for two or three mm-hmm. years. Well, this happened to you. You give up this your is job. Exactly. This is exactly. what happened to you. You had to look after your mom who, mm-hmm. you know, she had that uh, that that uh, injury and she had all of these uh, health complications. And you kind of had to give up whatever you were doing and get involved with her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I literally stopped working to do that. Um and then all of a sudden, a great job opportunity comes by and, and your purpose is to make money, even if it's not your passion. Again, it's where you have the most knowledge or talent, mm. something that comes naturally to you. Um, and then, yes, your life stops again when you become a mom and that becomes your purpose. So just, mm. you don't have one purpose throughout your entire life. I love, I love that you said that, Tammy, that you said that there isn't just one purpose because I think mm. people go, Oh my God! Is this is this it? Is this yeah. what I have to do? You know, 
Yeah, but also people romanticize it because that's just what we do as society. So people will romanticize what purpose is. So it must be purpose must be something that's sexy and cool that you can post about on social media. Sometimes it's not even that. It's just why you were were created. But we just do that as humans, right? We're silly in that sense that we feel the need to to do impactful stuff, but we don't just do it because we can do it. We want to do it because we want to show off to everybody that we're doing it. Purpose is so much deeper than that. Um, and you'll see that we love to to take on words as society and 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 use these jargons, but misuse them, like we were saying at the beginning of the conversation. And perhaps that's why a lot of people are frustrated because purpose is something that's just the word itself is being so misused and so romanticized. Um, let's just talk about this pressure because for young people, um, mm. th- there is this, there's this inordinate pressure to kind of find your purpose early on. And sometimes you might find it much, much later in life and you might find <laughs> yeah. various ones. So how did you discover that, for example, you wanted to work in the, in the corporate space, that you wanted to stand up and speak in front of people? Uh, for some people, that's the most terrifying thing in the world, and and they might yeah. have that talent. But they're so scared of it that they never actually discover it. Yeah, I didn't find it out. Like I said, it just naturally happened to me as a little kid. Um, I, I just um, I always used to act out for people that would visit, and so it wasn't a forced. I'm going to go and find it. How I started taking it seriously and making it. Um, of impact and using it for the world. I had just, I was on maternity leave. I'd just given birth to my second baby. And um, it had been a long time between my first. So my first is 15, my second is five, 10 year gap. And um, I think pregnancy is such a spiritual uh, process in itself. So I was sitting at home um, on maternity leave. I'd taken the, the longest amount of time because I don't want to go back. To work, so I took full six months just to avoid going back, <laughs> and um, I just had to really be still and shut out the noise um, and ask myself, "I've got the, I've got the title, I've got the salary, I've got the perks that it comes with, but I don't feel like I come back and go to bed um, every night feeling fulfilled. What is it that would make me?" fulfilled and i just felt corporate was was hard work man it was hard work i had to drag myself to work whereas now if you had to wake me up at three o'clock in the morning even if i haven't had sleep i'd get up on that stage if it it, it's impact it's not hard work it's effort and that's what i wanted i wanted effort not hard work well that's that's a very good distinction to make there too it's like your energy just seems to come from the right places if you're doing something you're meant exactly. to do. Exactly. If you're doing something you absolutely loathe. And and so many people go through the motions, dummy. I don't know if you've got yeah. advice for people who are going through the motions, like that hard work in, in, in the corporate world you were talking about earlier. That's mm-hmm. just soul-destroying. But you sometimes have to, to Leanne's point, you have to do it sometimes because yeah. that's the job and that's what's required of you. And someone it has hired you to do something. And even though it's not the the best thing that you could do, you maybe hate doing it. Yeah. I mean, we all go through, we all go through a stage where we're going through the motions. How do you get through that? You just got to go through it. I'll give an example of what happened to me. So um, even after maternity leave, I had to go back to that job. Um, Gotta pay bills, right? You've got to do what you've got to do. And I I only left corporate two years 
after that moment. And I remember being given an even bigger portfolio, not just corporate affairs, and I had to look after sustainability. And I was miserable because I was going through the motions of it. I mean, fast forward to now, I'm able to moderate conversations on sustainability. Well, lo and behold, I wouldn't have been able to do that had I not slogged through the two years. So the advice is go through it knowing that there's always meaning to what we're doing. You just have to yeah. define the meaning for it. And I found that. But it was miserable two years, man, learning about sustainability. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> all, all racks up to life experience. Exactly. Which will serve you positively down the line. Yeah, it does. So you just sometimes you just gotta just buckle up and just go through the motions. It always it's I I I describe my life um, and a lot of people's lives as as puzzle pieces. The quicker you can put some puzzle pieces together, the quicker you start seeing the full picture. And that was a puzzle piece I had to work through and try and fit it into where it fits in, as miserable as I was. But it makes sense now. I had to know about sustainability and go to work miserable every day. Yeah, and, and let's all just stop living in a fantasy world where everybody yeah. loves where everybody loves everything they do every minute of the day. That's <laughs> bullshit. I'm telling you, whoever you may idolize, let's say you think that it would be cool to be the president of South Africa. That's yeah. not an easy job. And there are things that there are things that the president wakes up in the morning. In fact, probably more than we think because he doesn't look that, that engaged in his job. Exactly. And, you know, <laughs> he probably wakes up in the morning and goes, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go and see these exactly. people in this meeting talking politics with these bloody people. And then you think about people in, in, in the corporate world. Let's imagine you think it must be great to be the richest man in the world. So you're Elon Musk. You don't think he sits in meetings sometimes and goes, I would rather be anywhere than him. <laughs> but, but that's exactly the romanticizing that I'm speaking about. Um, so yes, my book tells you about the purpose I found of being a message architect, which is in itself, you know, um, a being on stage. I almost said grace stages. And I thought that sounds a little arrogant. Being on stage and moderating and, and, um, it's made me have to jump into the industry of, of just people behind microphones. And I just realized because it's so romanticized, a lot of people want to get in the space without even understanding what it entails, without even the skill set. And you'll find people who are meant to be program directors wanting to moderate. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? Like, well, it's a skill set. There's a difference between an MC, a program director, an interviewer, a moderator. Yeah. So mm -hmm. stop facing the romanticizing of other people's jobs because you'll fall very fast, right. very, very fast. And, and let's zoom out from that even because there are some jobs that are regarded as being, you know, this is a... This is a great job. This is a glamorous, yeah. exciting yeah. job. Uh, yeah. A lot of people, uh, you know, they, they want to be the CEO or they want to be a star yeah. or they want to yeah. be an influencer or any of that shit. And yeah. in honesty, like sometimes the most important people are the ones who do those quiet things in the background. You know, the person who's uh, making sure that there's tea and coffee in the office, the person who's yeah. making sure that the, the place is clean, that the rest of us can just walk in and start doing our work, someone who makes sure that the furniture is there, someone who makes sure that the, 
the the security guard is is at their station 24/7 you know the, yeah. those are tough jobs but no one talks about the operations person being yeah. glamorous and exciting one they're not the one that anyone calls when they uh, they feel like hearing a funny story or whatever without those people the place falls apart Exactly. But even the conversations that happen, I kid you not, I've had the privilege of being part of conversations that happen behind closed doors with some really influential people in the world that we're not even allowed to talk about outside. And mm -hmm. let me tell you for free, those are the conversations that actually move the needle in the world rather than the glamorized United Nations conversation. Wah, 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 wah. So um, we've just got to open our eyes and get a little bit of a reality check that it's not the glamorized stuff that actually makes a positive impact there's so much more going on but because it's the hard silent dirty work nobody kind of knows about it and nobody wants to engage not nobody but a lot of people then are like oh if it's like that then i don't want it you know mm. and i think it's important as well when you're trying to establish your your role is to look at how many people are already doing that because that might be a sign mm. um yeah, the, the market that I'm that I'm involved in, every day I get requests. Please, can I be an influencer? Um, and you know, you, you then look at their profile, and they have 300 followers. Um, and look at how many influencers there are, and that's what makes the job actually quite hard. Um, mm -hmm. To stand out as an influencer, you have to work really, really hard, and mm -hmm. it's, it's a full time thing. Um, mm -hmm. People, people, you know. Think about how many influencers you know versus how many doctors you know. It should be no. a sign to you that if there are a lot of them, it's going to be really hard. I don't even like the word influence anymore. Mm. It makes me cringe. Yeah. Um, and it makes me cringe because influencer has become the number of followers. If I wanted to have a million followers today, I can get a million followers today. I can just buy them, right? Does that make me influential? Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. Um, again, there's another word that I think and we use as just jargon that makes no sense. The most influential people on this earth I, 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 that I've come across don't even have social media pages. Yeah, exactly. Influences. Go figure. Well, that's an amazing thing. So I've I've often thought, what are we? What are we jealous of in other people? Because yeah. this is a major, this is a major stumbling block for, for yeah. so many people to, try to find their purpose. Because you immediately think, well, if I was famous, mm. then I'd be happy. If I were mm. rich, then I'd be mm. happy. If I had uh, the most beautiful girlfriend or boyfriend, I'd be mm. happy. If I had, if uh, I was thin, or if I was a fitness yeah. fanatic. Right. Come on, yeah. <laughs> And then, and then you see you see people who are, let's say they they are killing it in one of those categories, like they've got huge amounts of money, or they're world famous, or they're super fucking sexy and fit. And then you talk to them a little bit, and the thing that they, the thing that they want is maybe something you've got. Yeah. It's exactly. It's exactly it's like this, and they, they don't want what they've got; they want what you've got. It's bizarre. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's exactly like that. So even if you look at the everyday uh, life, I mean, I'm going to go um, just 
by, by, by skin color. Here we are as Africans wearing weaves that are straight because our hair is curly yep. and uh, others are wanting curly hair. Some yep. are sitting in the sun to tan, to go brown. Others are skin whitening. And you're yep. like, what is going on on this earth? Yeah, well, Try, trying to get trying to get a, a juicy, licious butt when you don't have it. one. That's it. And some are using a Zempic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this this keeps coming up. I mean, it's bizarre that uh, that you know we're all chasing stuff that we yeah. don't have, and then those people whose stuff we're chasing, they don't want that. They want what you got. It's just bizarre. It's yeah. Like humans. Humans are so stupid. And it's, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think we are really stupid. But I think one of the things that for me also helped me um, settle in my calling, and I think a purpose is a calling too, was I had to become comfortable in my skin. And only when I was comfortable in my skin, do I have desires? Absolutely. But I had to learn that I've got to work with what I've got. Mm. That's all I can start with. And it became so much easier to say, okay, if I'm working with what I've got, what impact can I make, uh, uh, you know, to and for the world? So it's important that if, you, if you're going to start wanting to discover your purpose, you can't do it from a shortfall perspective. You can't do it from a perspective of lack of, oh, well, I don't have this. Oh, you'll be chasing your tail for a very long time. And, and can we also just say at this point that if you have not found your purpose yet, if you're one of those people who's still confused as to what your, you know, your life is all going to, don't stress because it'll come. Like eventually you'll get there. It may happen when you're 20. It may happen when you're 30. It may happen when you're 40. Most likely it'll happen much, much later on. Yeah, but also you're already living out your purpose. The very fact that you work on earth and the stuff that you do on a daily basis, you just may have not defined it as your purpose, but I don't think people just exist. I mean, you all play a role every given I mean, day. Look, you, you may not be the most um you may not be the most important person in the world, and your purpose may not be to change the world in massive exactly. ways. But no, the, fact that you're, the, the fact that you're alive, as I've discussed many times on the show, the fact that you're alive is a consequence of so many very, very tiny, tiny possibilities all coalescing over thousands and thousands of years. I mean, you should be grateful that you exist. In mm. fact, your purpose might just be to be here. That's enough it's for some. Zo. I love saying that word. That's it. Nazo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I love it. Um, tell us about your, your book, where we can get it. And uh, maybe people want to check this out because I think it might help a lot of people to find their way. Fantastic. So you can get it at any major bookstores throughout South Africa. So all the big ones, exclusive books, uh, bargain books, all of those delicious places. And then you can also get it from um, Amazon and Barnes and Noble if you want to download for those who are not based in South Africa. We had to accommodate them because they also want to read yes. the book. Absolutely. There are a lot of those people listening this morning. Okay, yes. Dami, what a pleasure to see you and thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for inviting me. You too. And best of luck. We will see you again soon, I'm sure. The Absolutely. message architect, Dami Gadimeng, and you can find her on the social medias as well. She's got her book out called Finding Purpose. And that is it for us this morning. We will see you tomorrow at 6 a.m. Cheers, everybody. Bye.